At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. Our universe is filled with secrets and mysteries, leaving us with many questions to be answered. Now more than ever, we find ourselves searching for those answers as the very fabric of space, science, and society are converging. For the first time, these worlds collide as we give you the knowledge that breaks the barrier between what is science and what is merely pop culture. This, this, this is Star Talk. Now, here's your hosts, astrophysicist Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson and comedian Lynn Coplitz. Star Talk. We're back, Lynn. Hello, Neil. We have a great show. And guess what? It's summertime, but you I probably know. knew that. <laughs> I know. We're deep into July now, and I love July. I love July. I love July in New York. It's, it's a lot of fun. Why? What do you do? Because everybody, the, the men are so distracted by all the breasts that are out. <laughs> it's just hilarious. You can almost make taxi cabs wreck. <laughs> So do you have like notches on your bras for how many taxi cabs you wrecked? Is this- I have notches on my bras for lots of reasons, Neil. Let's get on with the science, shall we? Well, excuse me. <laughs> my goodness. What are we going to talk about? Well, for, I just wanted to say, well, for the summer, people like the summer because they're, you know, the days are long and you get to have long evening, I mean, long sort of twilight. And But actually, the night 
is short in the summertime. The nights are much longer in the winter. And actually, astronomers prefer the winter skies because they're like crisp and clean and clear and and there's hardly any humidity. And I think they feel longer in the summer because you're outside longer. Well, that's it. So, yeah. So you sit only out on the porch. Porch? <laughs> we sit out on porch in the south where my people from. Your people? Yeah, we don't have porches in New York. <laughs> we, we have stoops. Stoops. You do sit on the stoop or, or you go to the roof. And so I just wanted, so this is about the summer skies. And we're going to have a, a, one of my favorite guests of all time. He's going to come on later. I'll tell you about him in a few minutes. Okay. And, but usually I feel incomplete unless we begin by hearing from our friend and buddy. Bill Nye Sky Guy. Bill Nye Sky Guy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't begin until he starts us off. He's like the starting gun for us. He really is. So let's see what. He's our shower. He's our, let's see what Sir William Bill Nye has to tell us about the summer skies. Hey, hey, Bill Nye, the science guy here. If you're like many of us here at Star Talk, you live north of our Earth's equator. It's summer up here. It's the time of year to be outside in the evening for some star and planet gazing. This year, the sun will be on one side of Earth and Jupiter on the other. By long tradition, astronomers say we're in opposition. The orbit of Earth and Jupiter conspire this summer to make Jupiter brighter in our night sky than it has been since the fall of 1999. Now this would be just another one of those celestial things. But keep in mind that you, just like Galileo, can observe the cloud bands of Jupiter and see the four big moons zipping around for yourself. Get a modest telescope and try it. It may just change your life a little. 400 years ago, it changed the world. The warm, long days of summer can be full of activities and very busy. But in the evenings, have a look up. This is Bill Nye, the science guy, and here's hoping that this summer you make some time for the sky. I now feel complete. Make some time for the sky. Well, we're going to. But we're going to. Did you know, Lynn, Bill mentioned Jupiter, but if you look at the original classical planets in the old days in ancient Greece, the, the word planet meant wanderer. And they looked up at the night. Really? They looked up. That's right. Well, it still means wanderer. Pl- planitos means wanderer. And, planitos. But pl- planit- planites. It's an E-S. And so, so what's a wanderer? They looked at all the objects of the night sky that moved against the background sky. And there were seven of them. There was Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, the sun, and the moon. I love and, how you rattled those off. You're so proud of you. I'm totally proud. You notice. And you so, know the planitos. <laughs> the planitos. And those seven wanderers are traceable to the names we give to the seven days of the week in, in the Roman mythology and Norse mythologies. And so we name the seven days of the week after those original seven planets. And it wasn't until Copernicus we said, well, wait a minute. Like, Earth is one of these objects that goes like around the sun. Sunday and Moon Day. Yeah, Moon Day, yeah. Sun is named, yeah. So should we want to take a quiz? Sunday's named after? The sun. Uh, moon Day. The moon. Moon Tuesday. Actually, it's the Norse god, Tuesday. To, yeah, um, yeah. Like I would have known that. That was a trick question. Okay, sorry. Wednesday, Woden's Day. Yeah. So those. Okay, those make no sense. Woden's Day. Well, what is that? A planet? <laughs> planet Woden? You haven't. <laughs> okay. No, l- the, l- let's get on to something else. Okay. Well, just so you know, those are gods in Norse legends that are the counterparts to the gods in Greek and Roman legends. And now, that's how that happened. What Bill Nye was saying mm-hmm. that, that is interesting. But mm-hmm. what Bill Nye was saying was he was talking about um, looking at Jupiter, and I know I remember this as a kid too. It, it, so sometimes when we think we see a star, we're seeing a planet, right? Oh, yeah, especially at, at, right after sunset, it, the stars come out, and not most, the first ones you see typically are not stars. They're going to be planets because the planets are brighter typically than what the stars are. 
Really? So when you when you the first star I see tonight, be careful because that's why your wishes aren't coming true. Oh yeah, if you're wishing, wishing on, on planet, <laughs> if you're wishing on stars, I wish on Jupiter. <laughs> yeah, so Lynn, that's why your planets have not been coming true. My dreams, but, I mean, your wishes are not coming true because you're wishing on planets. That's the problem. Well, I, I do piv- I do tend to pivot and make a couple dreams. <laughs> I wish on allowed? the first star I see from the right. The first star I see from is, the left. Is that allowed? This can't be allowed. I, I make think. my own rules. <laughs> so you got that. And by the way, the star stuff, people have been thinking about stars forever. Long before we had modern civilization, people were looking up. Well, before we had TV, people had nothing to do. What I else mean, you doing at night? Well, you, well. well, there's one other thing you can do. But after that <laughs> yeah. 15 minutes is over, then what do you do? <laughs> All right. So you go outside and you look up. And it's nighttime. There's no lit cities. There's no pollution. There's no distract there's no hbo you just go out and you look up and the night sky that was cave tv (laughs) yes it was i like that the sky was cave tv and at the time they so they made up stories about put their legends and gods and and culture onto the sky they probably did that with clouds too though well, clouds you know, came and went. We used to do that as kids. Like you would lay on your back and try and guess what you saw. And they all looked like Abraham Lincoln or, or George Washington, didn't they? Yeah, and then in college you partake in some party <laughs> activities and do the same thing. <laughs> okay. So the problem with clouds is they come and go. So and so they don't have a permanence across culture and time. The sky, the stars are there. And so you could pass stories from one generation to the next. And before the era of literacy and before people had any other meaningful kind of entertainment, you had the night sky. And however rich your storytelling was, you would be more likely to have your story remembered. And so what we have today is this repository of mythological stories that comes down from ancient peoples. Okay, but aren't there some stars and some, um, like the Big Dipper, you can always find it. But yep. there are some things you can't find. Like I've seen things with you that you're like, look at the constellation. of Is that what I sound like to you? Well, whatever. <laughs> but then I try to find Kaparlakanukunikis and oh. I can't find it. Oh, but I'm like, of, well, there's a Dipper handle. Are you talking about, you're not talking about Cassiopeia. Maybe. Not Cassie. There was some other one we saw with you a couple of years back, and you were like, this comes by every five years. I know. Okay. Well, some stars you see all the time. They're called circumpolar stars. These are stars that move around. Well, all stars move around the North Pole star called Polaris. But depending on your latitude on Earth, you'll see stars all the time in the night sky. That's why you can always see the Big Dipper from most places yeah, in, in the United States. And there's a little States. dipper too, right? There's a little dipper too. Much less interesting, it turns out, than the Big Dipper. The stars are not as bright, and it's much harder to, to notice if you're not looking for it. You'll, you'll, you'll never stumble on the Little Dipper, but the Big Dipper is majestic, and you see it. And you know, I'll tell you something about the Big Dipper. It's, it, that's what we call an asterism, which is a subset of more stars that actually make a constellation, and they're 88 in the night sky. And I, you know how I remember the 88? Because they're 88 keys in a piano. And the 88 keys on a piano make music, and the 88 constellations make a zoo. Because it's animals and creatures and centaurs. And I, I'm so confused right now, I can't even tell you. Why? Because you went from piano to zoo to the dipper. 88 keys on a piano, 88 constellations in the sky. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. 88 constellations in the sky, 88... Um... Exactly. And the constellations, all kinds of animals and creatures. And, and though here, the Big Dipper is part of Ursa Major, the Big Bear. And here, oh, okay. Yeah, here's, here's, here's a cute part about it. So all illustrations of it have to sort of connect the dots. And when you do so, the bear has this long, bushy tail, which is the handle of the Big Dipper. And then you say, oh, that's just a bear with a bushy tail. And then you pause for a minute and think, wait a minute. 
bears don't have big bushy tails. They just don't have to. They got little stubby nubs that you can't even see because it's hidden in their hair. They don't have tails. So it's this whole big sort of tapestry of fiction up there that is the expression of people's fantasies about what they either feared or loved in the world or what they imagined that or that, that they praised. Okay, but did they ever go here's my did they ever go out and look at it and say, Okay, it's gone now, the bear is the the tail like that constellation's not there? When uh, did they start recognizing that things weren't always there? No, the, the constellations are there for forever, for as long as a human lifetime. Multiple, the stars are there longer than human civilization. Oh, they are. Oh, yeah. It's the planets that move back and forth. What do you think they thought meteorites were? Uh, uh, no, they, meteorites as and, a like, concept wasn't until the 1800s. And... Shooting stars. They, they, shooting, they thought there were stars falling out of the sky. It was profound ignorance of how the world worked. It was before the era of science. That's what I thought they were. <laughs> You're listening to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, with my co-host, Lynn, Lynn Coplitz. Do you know our toll-free number is one eight seven seven five star talk Check out our website at StarTalk.net where you can send us an email. Or, in fact, you can tweet us if you're, in the, if you're a <laughs> Twitter generation. I'm sorry. That just makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm All so right. beavis and butthead. You don't I like just being... hear tweet. It makes me laugh. Tweet. Tweeted. Uh, you can tweet us at StarTalk Radio. All one word, of course. You know what's really cool about the old days in Rome? They had an eye test. Before they had, like, spectacles to correct I was going to your... say that's cool. We have eye tests now, Neil. Okay, let me finish the sentence. I'm they had sorry, eye man. tests. They wanted to find out whether they put you in the army. And so they'd look up at a pair of stars that are part of the Big Dipper. In the middle of the handle of the Big Dipper, there's a double star system. It's actually a multiple star system. But from the eye, you can see two stars, Miser and Alcor. Those are the names of those two stars. If you could tell that there were two stars there, mm-hmm. you were good enough with your eyesight to be drafted into the Roman army. And if you couldn't see it, they wouldn't take you. That okay, w- if you could tell there's two stars there, you're good enough to be drafted in any army. I mean, that's, <laughs> a, that's I can't see that. Well, yes, you. Next time I'll, I, I haven't ever showed it to you. Next time we're out on the stars, I'll show you those two stars. And twenty anybody with twenty twenty vision will see it. You think when when guys are trying to like get lucky and they take a girl driving to yeah. look at the stars, what do you think is the most common thing that they try and look for? Is it the Big Dipper? Uh, if they're trying to show the one off, that's easiest. Yeah, because everyone's always trying to show. Like, well, I'm not you. Because you're different. You're like, look at the tail of the donkey. <laughs> but, no, there are no donkeys among the 88. Or whatever it is you know. But, you know, you, you can show people, like, those are the two girls holding hands and, you know. Yeah, no, it's stuff. cool. It's a lot of legends. And so, you know, so astronomers got that evening rap that well, works. what do you think normally guys look for? You think it's a I astronomers think, uh, have that <laughs> evening rap? <laughs> we have. It's Neil's very white. Hey, baby. Hey. Check out the constellations. Because <laughs> we got, you know, there's the saying, always marry an astronomer because, you know, they are at night. So you ever hear that one? Yeah. We got that. We got you covered. Same thing with a bartender. <laughs> but all right. But let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it serious. I got we another interesting story. Guest. We have a serious We're, we're going to come to him in, a, in a, like a minute. i just tell a quick story. I was in Brooklyn. Excuse me. I was in uh, in my office and I got a phone call from a woman from Brooklyn. Yes. And she sounded old and she, like she'd been there her whole life. And she said, there's something glowing outside my window. What is it? Okay, first of all, Neil, I what? love you, but that's, if she was from Brooklyn. She was like, there's something glowing outside my window. <laughs> what is it? Are you Dr. Tyson? 
that's actually exactly what she sounds like. And I said, I'm concerned. So I said, okay, well, where is it in the sky? She said, oh, it's like three inches above Marty's Deli. And I said, it's above so, Marty's Deli. <laughs> so I, I don't said, know how many inches I haven't been able to see in years. It's glowing. All right. So I tried to so say, which way is New Jersey? Which way is Manhattan? Where's the East River? And I finally figured out she was looking at the planet Venus. And I thought to myself, how could this, she just noticed this now. The woman's like 90, 80, 100 years old. Like, I've got my bags packed. I think it's like cocoon. They're coming for me. <laughs> so here's what happened. So I said, it, it's Venus. How, yeah, how long have you lived there? She said, my whole life. I said, how come you haven't noticed this? She said, there used to be a building outside my window, and they just tore it down, and now I can see the sky, and it's beautiful. And now I can die. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a break. And when we come back, a friend and longtime colleague, Joe Rayo, who's like patron saint of amateur astronomers and the senior meteorologist for News 12 in Westchester. We're going to bring him on the show. I got questions for him, too, because it's stuff I can't even explain. And I turn to him anytime to stuff I don't know. We'll be right back on Star Talk. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Whether you're a space cadet or a rocket scientist, we want to hear from you. The phone lines are open. Call now. This is Star Talk. 
Welcome back to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist, joined by my comedian co-host, Lynn Koplitz. Lynn, welcome back. Hello. In this segment, we're going to bring on a longtime friend and colleague, and he's an associate up at the Hayden Planetarium. And he's like senior, he's a meteorologist, a senior meteorologist for News 12 Westchester. And uh, it's Joe Rail. Joe Rail, welcome to Hi, Star Joe. Talk. Welcome. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. <laughs> by, overwhelmed by that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, uh, just before we bring you in, let me just tell the audience that uh, you can find us at StarTalkRadio.net. That's online. And you can t- tweet us at StarTalkRadio. So, Joe, welcome to the show. It's great to be. I, I, I used to uh, hang out in this area many, many years ago when I was like an intern at Channel 2 in New York uh-huh. back in the 70s for mm-hmm. uh, the uh, weather guys who used to work there. Uh, so you were a weather dude it. for decades. Uh, well, uh, pr- professionally since 1978, but okay. uh, I've, been, I've been, you know, really interested in the sky, both weather-wise and also Plus astro- astronomers are yeah. weather is a problem. Did you see that movie Anchorman? Was it like an Anchorman back then? <laughs> <laughs> the, no, I was... Slapping the skirts on the hiney? I'll tell you what I did. When I used to come down here to Channel 2, I used to give the uh, the on-camera weather caster, the weather guy, uh, the uh, the magnets, you know, back then. Did you? Where they back, put the sun up? Yeah, did you, exactly. But back in the 70s, we didn't have the uh, the fancy, you know, chroma key that we have today or the plasma screens. You had magnetic... You had st- magnetic maps. You had a magnetic sun or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And, you put it, You'd put the you put the sun up on the thing, and sometimes you know one night he was. Don't tell me the sun had a smiley face on it, because then I'll tell you that the sun had it and sunglasses too. <laughs> and sunglasses. sunglasses too. One time the sun fell down, fell off right in the middle of a weathercast, and you know the the weathercaster. I, I might as well mention the guy's name, Alan Casper, uh-huh. who's now doing the weather on a radio station in New Jersey. He said, "Well, I guess that only proves one thing: the barometer must be falling." Oh, oh, that Alan! Oh. He's so quick. <laughs> <laughs> He's known for that, you know. So let me tell you, Joe, I wanna, we want to know, we just want to clue our viewers in. By the way, let me establish the fact. I get questions all the time, hundreds of emails a day, a subset of which are about the night sky with intricate questions about what's up, what's down, and I send them over to you, Joe. I want you to confirm that on the air right That's now. That's absolutely true. I, I get t- all, all kinds of stuff from Neil, uh, emails, Phone messages. As much as I know about the night sky, it is a subset of what this man knows, and that's why he's on the and show. And that's why when Neil can't put up with these women from Brooklyn, these crazy women <laughs> from Brooklyn who were saying, well, what's going on with the man? He sends them over to me. Uh, so, I'm worried about the night sky. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the studio. So, Joe, what, what, what's, what's in store f- for viewing stars and planets and you know constellations and eclipses? What's going on this summer? Well, you know, the... the Interestingly, and uh, we, in give fact, me your we, top top your top hit list. That if someone <laughs> were going to like check off the list, what okay. would it be? Well, uh, th- this month, uh, the International Space Station, which of course is still in under construction, mm-hmm. two hundred and forty miles above the surface of the Earth, going around the Earth at about seventeen thousand miles per hour. A lot of people still don't realize that you can see that, and also a number S- of other see satellites. with the naked eye. See with the naked Excuse eye. Excuse me, the unaided eye. Un- yes. <laughs> <laughs> And this particular month, oh, you scientists, <laughs> <laughs> you dirty birds! <laughs> this particular month, because of uh, the various geometrical circumstances or whatever, uh, the space station is visible both in the pre-dawn sky and the early morning hours. If you care to get up, let's say at four or five in the a.m. before the sun, before I'm the sun, miss that one. And uh, <laughs> if you want to, if you if you don't plan to get up that early, Lynn, later on in the month, wait, wait, can, wait, Lynn, you can just stay awake. Or I could just tape it. 
Lynn is probably, Tivo it. She's going to Tivo it. All right. Lynn is probably watching the Inside the Eyelid show. Right. All right. When the space station is passing over. Absolutely right. All right. But so later on, but later on in the month, uh, mm-hmm. after after a few weeks, the space station will now will then be visible. Like let's say around the twentieth or twenty fifth of July, it'll be visible across the United States in the evening hours, right after sunset. So, if you don't care to get up in the wee small hours of the morning, you what can wait. What does it look later. like, Joe? Just can it you looks, tell us the space station? It looks like. A huge star with a kind of a yellowish white tinge. When you say huge, you mean bright. Very, very bright. Mm-hmm. Brighter than bright. any, unmistakably bright completely Unmistake- anything else in the sky. There's nothing that you can mistake the space station for. And it looks like a star that's taken leave of its senses and has decided to move to a different part of the sky. Oh, you're definitely getting phone calls on that. <laughs> They're coming for me! <laughs> say goodbye to my daughter! My bags are packed! <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and, it's, and it is very, very bright. In fact, it's so bright, it's, so, it's gotten to be so large now... Oh, so it's been getting brighter it's, over the years it, it, it's, as we it's assemble bigger, pieces. Bigger, of course, as, they, as I said, it's still under construction. But the solar panels that they've added on in recent years, reflecting the sunlight up in space, it has now gotten so large and so bright that you can even see it in the just even before the sun goes down or, or even after the sun has come up. So what you're saying is it would, could be normally be visible in broad daylight, except it's too bright. <laughs> right. I mean, right. that's the problem. The sun is out, competing well, with it. I mean, but, uh, but I mean, like, you know, in the first half hour after sunrise yeah. or in the first half hour before sunset, mm-hmm. if you know exactly where to look in that daytime blue sky, you'll be able to see it as a, as a white speck of light moving across the sky. It, again, it's gotten to be that bright. So how can we uh, – it, it'd be hard to give times on the air right now, but is there – you have a blog that, that – Well, probably the best thing to do, I think, is to go to a uh, website that uh, specializes in – giving you this information, and that mm-hmm. would be heavensabove.com. Actually, it's heavens-above.com. Okay, and so you can dig out what's what's visible in the night sky from there. From there, but uh, specifically you can get an idea as to when this you know moves across. So they the call sky. it heavens above. It really should be hardwareabove.com. <laughs> it's, it's more romantic than the subject d- deserves. True. You know, when I was a kid, we didn't have all this fancy stuff that people have now. All you had was the sky. Like that, I lived in Florida. The sky was the, the, the deal. I mean, eclipses, meteor showers. I mean, those are things we lived for. You, you, I mean, when you knew there was going to be a meteor shower, you were allowed to stay up late. You grabbed a, a lawn chair. Everybody got ready. So we you're, into, give... you're into looking at celestial streakers. Um, oh, that, yes. That's right. so I guess speak. so. So what do, you have, what do you have for us in the way of meteor showers this well, summer? Well, probably one of the best. That's what I want to know. What are the things one of the, that might One of the best is... is, is Coming our way in the month of August, the the so-called Tears of St. Lawrence, because uh, Neil was talking about how they made up stories of the nighttime sky. Back in 258 A.D., Mm -hmm. there was a saint by the name of Lawrence who was griddled to death on a hot gridiron. In fact, supposedly. What, what did he do bad? That's a great story for my nieces. They, Thanks a lot, Joe. <laughs> I really appreciate it. So then he, he, what happened was this man was griddled to death on <laughs> a hot iron, and these are his tears. He, he, found out, Enjoy uh, them. he found out that the local politicians were rather un- unscrupulous and were stealing from the, the townspeople. And so they said, you know, keep your mouth shut, but he didn't. And as a result of that, they punished him by... Putting him to death. His martyrdom is on August the 10th each year. And believe it or not, supposedly, according to the story, as he was being, you know, griddled on this hot iron, he says, I'm roasted on one side. Now, if you want me t- completely roasted, turn me over and I'm, I'll be done on the other side as well. Can we the change guy- the name? Like, 
Can we call them like Farrah's Tears of Joy? <laughs> like now that everyone everyone has come together and, and she's happy in heaven and she's. Wait, well, is, it, is it just coincidence that he was griddled on the same day thing. as the meteor shower, or well, do they time it for that? The people who watched the sky and who looked up up at the sky noticed that there was a, an unusual preponderance, an unusual. Uh, amount of shooting stars that appeared around the 10th of August every year. And they looked up and they, they told stories. They said, well, what, what possibly could that be? They said, oh, that's probably the, the, the fiery tears of St. Lawrence. They could have said it's his dripping blood, but that would have been less. No, I don't think All right, so. now, this is great. What else do we have that I can tell my nieces about? <laughs> I, I, I'm already having to change the tear story. We have a meteor shower in August, which is an awesome Wait, one. wait, so at its best, what is the, um, how many do you get? You can, if you have a nice dark sky free of any light pollution, uh, city lights. If you're out in the country, out at the shore, yeah. looking skyward, you could see perhaps as many as 60 or maybe even 80 per How hour. How many do you remember seeing, Lynn, when you were in Florida? As a kid? Yeah. I mean, I think the most I remember is maybe 8 or 10. Just in the whole night? But yeah, the, I mean, like... You see any big ones, too? But you, Yeah. Yeah. But, I, but you'd see them falling, like, sometimes at the same time. So yeah. you'd, you'd hear all the kids yelling, like, I see one, I see one. And yeah, you'd hear all, like, yeah. That's, to... that's interesting also that, you know, back, you know, years ago when uh, I used to join groups and we'd specifically, you know, take one section of the sky to watch as we, we were counting... That too. And we were counting these shooting stars. And we'd bring a tape recorder and we'd always know... The, the faint ones or the dim ones from the bright ones by listening to the recording thereafter. If you saw the one that went like that, you say, ooh, I saw one like that. But if there was one of those really large ones that looked like a Roman candle or a skyrocket that left a trail behind mm -hmm. it for mm -hmm. a few seconds, whoa, did you okay. see that? Right. Oh, my, you know, and, and you so knew. the volume that that level correlated with exactly. brightness. Precisely, yes. precisely. <laughs> can and can you see can more that. of a, excuse me, but can you see more of a shooting star with a telescope? Well, you, I tell you, if you, if you were lucky enough to be looking through a telescope, when a, when a, remember, a telescope is concentrating on a very, very narrow section of the sky. Right. So you'd have to, it'd be like winning the lottery to have a meteor, you know, zip through that little. How cool know, would that be? It's, it's quite, but I'll tell you what, if you, if you see a really bright one and leave a trail that's hanging behind it for, let's say, 10, 15, 20 seconds, you could probably get your telescope or binoculars up and, and you could see the trail. And as. But probably better second, with binoculars because you have a wider right, field of view. Exactly. Yeah. And what's interesting is that you could see the, the trail being distorted by those high level winds at 50 and 60 miles up getting bent into all kinds of weird shapes. Lynn, did you know there was a gaffe in, in Carl Sagan's movie Contact where, the, where Ellie Arroway, as a child, is calling her father, and she's looking through a telescope and saying, come on, Dad, it's beginning. <laughs> and she's looking through the telescope, and she's telling him that the meteor shower is beginning. But she ain't seen... There's no way she would be seen it. No way she's seen it through the telescope. Well, here's another thing that I saw as a kid that we were obsessed with, and still, I'm frankly, a little obsessed with, were eclipses. Well, do you plan to go to China later in the month? Everybody's going to China, it seems. I do enjoy their food, but probably not. Yeah, There's... the food comes to us, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 Lynn, which eclipse did you see? Do you remember? Well, what year? Just know. tell us what I year. Just remember what I, 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 no, I will not, because you'll know my age. What? I, I, what I know <laughs> is we used to do the thing. Just let me finish. We used to do the thing where we would poke the hole in the paper because they said that if you look at an eclipse, it will burn your, your eyes. Is that true? Well, you know, not the eclipse. It's just the sun. The sun is, is dangerous to look at all the time. But when the newspapers or the radio and television stations say, hey, there's going to be an eclipse of the sun tomorrow, everybody all of a sudden, you would, I mean, like, you don't stop in the middle of the street. I've never seen up. one. I've never looked. I've been scared. Okay. I looked through the paper with the, the little hole. Well, yeah, that's, that's the best way. The, well, yeah, and you don't look through the hole. 
you let the no, sunlight. You put the whole right. You put the paper. Like a, pin, a pinhole camera kind right. of setup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the thing is that the the incredible rise in eye you know people who report eye damage during an eclipse is because that they are they want to see the eclipse, but it's not the eclipse that's causing the eye damage. It's the sun. The sun is very very brilliant, and you're not supposed to look at it at any time for any long length of time, lest you uh, you know. But jo- Joe, we hear these actually exaggerated accounts. Sorry, people overreact to that warning, right? right. I've, I've heard people say, stay indoors during solar eclipses because you'll, like, burn to a crisp. And, and, and the sad part about that, Neil, is the fact that when the sun, if you're in the path of a total eclipse of the sun, one of the greatest, most Songs ever written. <laughs> <laughs> I see that even the Carly Simon song. Turn around. No. And right. well, you know, if you if you ever have a chance in your lifetime to see a total eclipse of the sun, that those moments, those few moments when the sun is totally eclipsed, you can look directly at the sun because you know all the the, bright, the sun isn't there. Sun the is, sun isn't there. The photosphere. You get to see the beautiful corona. But the thing is, is that people are under the impression that the total phase is probably the worst time to, to look at it, and people run into their homes or hide right, into right, the right. bed during this, this period when the sun is absolutely Completely extinguished. And h- hidden behind the moon. Yeah. Lynn, I just want you to know that if you right. even say what, where you were when you saw the eclipse, he knows enough about eclipses to know exactly what year that happened, because eclipses happen in all different well, parts. So we already we nailed your age. We've been doing it for a long time, we and already I got your age. Question. Oh, and, I'm 41. Oh, and I, we got we to take a break. <laughs> We're here with our special guest, Joe Rayo, in the studio. He is astronomer extraordinaire, uh, senior meteorologist up in News 12 Westchester. Lynn, we'll be back in a minute. I have questions about the sky. When we can, can we keep Joe for to the next segment? Well, what, what can you say? I'm not going anywhere. Well, he's okay. good. He's good to go. We'll take a break. <laughs> The future of space and the secrets of our planet revealed. This is Star Talk. Welcome back to Star Talk. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. The tutor there is Lynn Koblitz, professional like comedian music. and actress. And we're joined by a special guest in the studio, Mr. Joe Rayo. He's a patron saint of Skywatchers, <laughs> and I don't know if he's ever been called that before, but he's my patron saint of Skywatching, and he's a senior meteorologist in Westchester at News 12. So, Joe, thanks for being with us here today, and thanks for staying Thank longer you, into this segment. I'm, I'm happy. I do, before we uh, proceed, I just, you know, I teased you a little bit uh, before on the uh, other segment about China, uh-huh. and on June, on June, we're already out of June, July 22nd of this of this month. Day before my birthday. We're going to have the the eclipse of the century. The what? longest the longest total eclipse of the sun that's going to occur in this century. But unfortunately, if you want Me to see Me bending it, over to blow out my candles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. You have to, unfortunately, you have to go to either India or China or some of the South Islands of Japan where the shadow of the moon will be crossing. And I must tell you that there are literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people from this side of the world who are planning to go to China or to India or to uh, be on cruise ships off of Japan to see this spectacular sight uh, in, in a few weeks. That's in just a few weeks. Yeah, no, I'm, I'll just, I'll catch it. I'll, I'll TiVo it. Like you said, I'm going to be Well, here. I mean, if they're all going to China, I guarantee you they're going to take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, you don't have to wait. This country is in the midst of an eclipse drought. Mm. We have not had in the, in the contiguous, the 48 United States, a total eclipse of the sun since 1979. But take heart. 
not too much longer now, eight more years, and those eight years will go by very, very quickly. On August the 21st, are you writing this down in your calendar, Lynn? August no, the 21st. No, because I want to get to another question, Joe, and you keep talking about eclipses of the sun, and I have something important okay. to ask you. August 21st, 2017. But keep talking about it. August 21st. 2017. 2017. Okay, I am going to write that down. She is writing it down. Let the record show. 2017. It's going to be a really spectacular. It's going to go from one, it's going to go coast to coast. I'm going to tell my nieces that. That's It's going to go from Oregon all the way through the middle of the country. It's going to go over St. Louis, and then it's going to exit the country at Charleston, South Carolina, out into the ocean. So, Joe, there there was a day when that was an issue that it would take that long to reach us, but now we have, like, airplanes and things, so we can, like, travel to the shadow rather than waiting for the shadow to come to us. That's right. Well, but unfortunately, there are some of us, for example, uh, that are not able to go to China (laughs) or to India this uh, this month, so we'll just have to sit and wait and wait for the shadow to come to us, which will be, again, in about eight years. If you want to send us email, just uh, do so through our website, startalkradio.net, and you can tweet us at startalkradio.net. Talk radio. Now, can we tell Joe? Can I? Can I say something real quick? Do, this, Lynn, you're I'm your host here. Um, the, I'm, well, I know, but I see you two are so excited. So uh. I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> uh, you get two boys together who are talking about uh, uh, our own know, heavenly bodies. Yes, about your okay. own heavenly bodies, and you get excited. Um, but part of why we're doing this summer sky show is because I was a kid raised in Florida, and I'm kind of obsessed with skies, Joe, and people listening. And I was talking to Neil about it, and I was saying how I, I just get obsessed with it. And now that I travel so much as a comedian, I've noticed that skies are different everywhere I go, you know. And I had been in Phoenix, and I got in at night, and it was the strangest thing. It was the first time I realized, and I, I, I came in at night, and I woke up in the morning. I had a, a gig to go to, and I, in typical New Yorker fashion, I'm on my cell phone. I'm not paying attention, and all of a sudden, I look up. And it was twilight, you know, and I, it was unbelievable. I'd never seen anything. There must have been eight colors in the sky, like colors I'd never even seen, like navy blue. I was like, <laughs> what is this? And it was really amazing. So, so I, then I you had a cosmic moment. Yeah, but my, mm-hmm. my question is about the different skies in different places. And um, I just want so to Joe, talk twilight about... in Phoenix, it's desert versus twilight in Florida or L.A. What, well, obviously, what... I mean, in Florida, it's a very humid climate, a moisture laden climate, as opposed to Arizona, the desert southwest, which has much less in the way of uh, moisture, and so you get kind of a different uh, coloration of the sky there, kind of a cleaner. Uh, views of the uh, of the colors of the sky. So the moisture kind of muddies the view. You're yeah, saying. To, uh-huh. it, um, you get more of. I guess you get more of a. What's the word I'm looking for? Schmutz. Okay. More, the sun, you know, you see the sun go down in Florida. It goes down like a big red ball because it's being the light is being attenuated by all of the humidity and all of the schmutz that's that's in the air, as opposed to out in the desert southwest where the air is drier and a lot cleaner, right. and you get more of a vivid coloration of of, of oranges and reds and pinks and cobalt blues and saffrons. And it is pretty awesome. And the, now the the twilight at night, wait, wait, it's twilight, daytime, morning or night? No, they can both be twilight. It's dawn and dusk that has, uh, we have okay, different You know words, what it yeah. is? My mom calls it rabbit dark. What is rabbit dark? When I was a kid, it was called rabbit dark because that's when all the rabbits come out. Like okay. right at that seven o'clock time. That would kind of depend on where you live. In New York, it was it'd be muggers dark in New York, right? Okay, if that's what you're talking about. Mugger dark, mugger dark, <laughs> rabbit, uh, rabbit dark. But that's what my mother always called it. Or you know, or like the kids say, look when the streetlights come on. You know, it's, yeah. that, it's that time. Yeah, that, uh, and in fact, uh, unfortunately, if you live up in, let's say, Canada. Especially central and northern Canada, there really or is no fake America. <laughs> <laughs> There's no real darkness during this time of the year because twilight lasts all night. 
the sky never gets truly dark yeah, up in northern. Yeah, that's the other thing. But wait, Joe. so Joe, you're saying at midnight it's still twilight, is what you're saying? That's, if you go far the, enough north, if you go to a place like Edmonton, for example, Alberta, Canada, it 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 always is a little bit light, uh, even during the middle of the night, because twilight never ends up there. This yeah, which is weird too, because have you ever been there, like, uh, or like Alaska, where everybody's wearing fleece and they're unattractive, and you can see them because <laughs> it's it's twilight all night. You're, you're like, really? If any place needed dark, it's this place. <laughs> to all of the people who are now listening to us in Alaska, we apologize. They know <laughs> they have mirrors. So here, here, um, here's the thing too. Uh, I noticed when I was in Alaska. That the twilight, you know, it, it, it stayed till about 11 o'clock, and it really affected me emotionally. It, do you think that's just me, or is that a, a thing? I mean, did it depress you? What, what, what was your problem? Yeah, it was, it was weird. I mean, well, because I, you know, I'm one of these people, I can tell, I can kind of feel it. I mean, I, you're a meteorologist, but you, Neil tells me I'm nuts, but I can feel when I, it feels like it's going to rain outside. Well, yeah, some people have that ability. They, you know, they they say oh, my bones are creaking here. It's true. You know, sometimes a change in Joe, the Joe, is that pressure. true? Joe, no. to answer here and now on Star Talk. Are you telling me people's bones can tell whether it's going to rain? There are some people who I got a bad hit. Isn't your isn't your body fluids wetter than any air that's wrapped around your body to determine if it's going to rain? I can, that just sounds. Dirty. I can. All I can tell you is I've, I've met people. Riders on the storm. <laughs> Joe, that's a high All producer All I can tell clever. you is that there are people who I've, who I've met who, who, you know, say, you know, I, I feel, you know. They ask me, so what's the forecast? And I tell them why. Is it, well, it going to rain soon because I feel I in my bones? A crick in my bones. Yeah. Uh, you guys, you're scientists. I'm, I'm telling you, don't you watch movies like the animals start going nuts when the storm's coming? Well, because they, they hear the thunder and they don't understand it because they don't have science. I think it's because they feel it. <laughs> now, why is, um, here's a good question. Why is the sky blue? Uh, should I get into Raleigh scattering, or should I just? She'll take. If you do, she'll hand, she'll she'll let you know about it. So go ahead. No, because because everywhere I've lived, like like the sky, there's not always blue sky. You know what I mean? Like like in Florida, well, talk- there's very blue sky. In New York, there's very blue sky. You don't get to look at it well, a get, lot. But. You get. I mean, like down in Florida, you have what's what might be called a tropical sky because if you get the flow of air from off of the ocean. That helps to, in, in a way, cleanse the atmosphere, as opposed to, let's say, a place like, Los like New York or Los Angeles, yeah. where you got all that smog because everything is kind of like, it, 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 there's not much motion of the air. And so all of that uh, industrial pollutant just sits there for days and days on end. Also, in, in, so if in you're China, below, wait, so if you're below that smog, you have to look through the smog to then judge the color of the sky. Right. 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 But if you're not a, below the f- smog, you like if you're above it. Sometimes if you're, when you're above it, if you're in you a plane. You can see it. Well, I mean, you can you can even see it. Uh, there are times, like even here in New York, when I'm on, let's say, the Whitestone or Throgs Neck Bridge, and I'm looking over toward New York City. Even I, I look high above me, and it's a beautiful blue sky. I look toward the city, and it looks like there's like a brown dome over over the city during these times of what's called a temperature inversion, when it actually gets warmer. It's supposed to get colder as you go higher up into the atmosphere, but sometimes, mm-hmm. in certain cases, the the temperature is warmer as you go up, and it acts like a giant lid so to speak, and traps all the pollutants. That's nasty, keeps... Joe. That's nasty. Wow. Well, I mean, people's bad breath and everything just stays there. If, if other hovers. planets, like like Mars is like full of methane and everything, then is there smog on other planets? Well, but not Mar- Mars has a very, very thin atmosphere, so I don't think you'd have to worry about smog there. How about uh, Venus? Or... Well, Venus is the runaway greenhouse effect, right? I mean, yeah, each planet's got its own story to tell. It's, yes. you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> Just to remind people, we're listening to Joe Rayo, who's our special, Lynn and my special guest today. He's, uh, he's not only sort of patron saint of Skywatchers, he's a meteorologist. And that's the source of our questions right now, because Lynn grew up in like Florida, where there's a lot of weather in Florida. Did you ever, did you ever experience a hurricane down in uh, Florida? Oh, you my gosh. Are you kidding? My mother used to track hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a hurricane closet that had just special food just for the hurricane. And the strangest thing was it had like maraschino cherries. And like 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 sardines and and to me like hurricane equaled like cocktail party. <laughs> I never quite understood why all of that was in. So you can't touch that. That's for the hurricanes. Like well, obviously we're gonna die with a we're smile still, on our face. We're still waiting for the first one this year. The first one on the list in the Atlantic and Caribbean is Anna, A N A eight. So. We'll see when, when she she decides and to. And she begins with an A because you, you go alphabetically, if I remember correctly. Down Correct, but not all 26 letters. I think there are five. Well, I know there are five letters. I think like Q, for example, is not representative and X. and you know, I've seen tornadoes. I've been on the highway when a tornado was. How about a water spout? Next time. Where, where did you grow up? In Sarasota, Florida. You, had, you saw tornadoes in Florida? We were in Alligator Alley and we saw wow. a tornado. And we in the warning, and talk about an eerie, weird sky. This is a thing, too. Why is it that skies get so eerie before storms? You know how sometimes in sometimes Florida especially... Where did the green come from? Well, the green... This is a question I have about the green. Now this, in, in Florida, you get lots of electrical storms. You know that, Joe. Right. But you also get just these weird little showers that come out of nowhere. Like it's sunny, then there's a shower, and then the, the, it, the shower's right. over. Lynn, it was only showering over your head. No, I'm not Eeyore. It's not like that. But it, no, there's no, really, out of nowhere, there's just a little shower. But, Don't and I've never experienced me. this any. I just have a shower. Stop it. I'm okay. I'm as happy as I can be. I, I'm happy. No, wait. So there's, there's a, the one thing I have noticed in Florida, never noticed it anywhere else, is that after this little weird shower, everything gets bright green, like Emerald City green, and sometimes there's a rainbow. Well, I can I can understand the rainbow. The rainbow, of course, is, is is caused by the departing storm and sunlight shining through the raindrops to create that rainbow effect. But as far as the green is concerned, I you know I, I've seen green skies in advance of a thunderstorm, but I, I don't recall ever seeing green skies you know on a. I don't mean the green. sky. I mean everything looks kind of gr- like everything, oh, everything looks extra green. bright green. Green well, aren't we tinge. All, aren't we all going green now? I mean, it's, it's fashionable <laughs> to go green, so. Okay. We'll get we'll get back to green. We've got to take we a break. We talk about rainbows we, too. And definitely rainbows, one of my favorite cosmic or sky objects. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Find us on startalkradio.net and call us at 18775-STAR-TALK. We're here with Joe Rayo and I'm here Neil deGrasse Tyson with your co-host Lynn Coplitz. Back after a break. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bringing space and science down to earth. You're listening to Star Talk. Welcome back to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, with, with Lynn Coplet, my favorite comedian of all time, and our special guest, Joe Rayo. Joe, yeah. Lynn put it to you. She said, why is the sky blue? And you just dropped the ball, and I'm not. I'm going hold to you, hold you to it. I okay. think I interrupted him. You, okay. No, right. it's, no I, as I mentioned before, um, the, the official term is called Raleigh scattering, but to put it in the most basic terms, because we have an atmosphere and we have very tiny particulate matters that uh, are up in the atmosphere as well, the, uh, the sunlight bouncing off these tiny little particles, these dust particles, uh, they are of a shorter wavelength. So short, short waves or short wavelength of light is more along the lines of a bluish coloration. Now, when the sun is high in the sky, we see those short waves. When the sun is down low and it, it is traveling, those, those beams of light from the sun are traveling through a longer uh, uh, stretch uh, to our eyes, th- to a longer wavelength, then we see a reddish coloration at sun, sunrise and sunset. So, at, so when the sun is low and those light rays are traveling for a very long stretch to you, those long wavelengths look red. When the sun is higher up in the sky, there's shorter wavelengths of light. It, the, the light is getting taking a shorter. Well, what path about when, excuse me? Then what about when the sky is really white, like in a winter sky? Not when there's snow, but you know how sometimes the sky is just white. Well, that's probably because you're looking at the sun, or you're looking at the sky through a layer of maybe high or mid-level cloud. Ciriform clouds give that milky appearance, that that whitish appearance of the sky. Ciriform. Well, not maiden form, but syrup. Oh, okay, syrup. Form. But they look, but they look like they. Then it's like one big, big. I was gonna say a dirty word. One <laughs> big old cloud, right? Right. Um, if uh, in advance of a major storm, especially in the winter time, you get these high, thin cirrus clouds. They look like like the tails of a horse, mare's tail clouds. Right. And as you get closer to the storm, the clouds begin to get into more of a layering effect. Until finally that, you know, you, the, literally the whole sky is covered by one layer of high or mid-level clouds, 15, 20, 25,000 feet up. And it gives that, that, that white effect that you just mentioned. We had a creepy cloud that was actually in the, in the paper recently. Was it in the Times? What? What was in the that, Times? That creepy cloud, that storm that happened oh, yeah. in New York. Oh, yeah. A few nights ago, they photographed it over Yankee Stadium. It was, there was this cloud, creepy cloud. Creepy cloud. <laughs> you don't have cloud formations called creepy, creepy, <laughs> creepy cloud? A creepy cumulus. Yes, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. And, and this, was, uh, this was actually over, uh, I think, City Field. Yes, yes, right. yes. The M- Mamatis clouds. And I saw that. I, I saw, and, and I almost what was saw it? My it, it's a special kind of cloud that is, it, it almost looks like, like a bunch of cotton balls. Cotton balls dangling from below. Exactly, yes. exactly. And, was, and, and at that time of day, you had sunset colors right. on the underside of the cloud. And this type of cloud is usually seen at or immediately after a very strong thunderstorm, sometimes even a thunderstorm that is in the Midwest sometimes produces tornadoes. And in this particular case, just before the ball game started last week at City Field, there was a hellacious thunderstorm. And in its wake, it left behind these these uh, mammatus clouds or mamma clouds, if you will. So, could they have mm-hmm. me- meant that a tornado was coming? 
No, not ne- we, this is in the aftermath of the storm. They usually oh, see okay. after a storm passes by. So, um, it, but as I said, sometimes in the Midwest when they've had thunderstorms with tornadic activity, in the aftermath you do see these, these strange cotton ball-like clouds in the sky. Is there really such a word as tornadic? Well, to, I mean, tornadic weather. Yeah, oh, no, there I, is. I, I don't know there is. If Joe Rayo says that it is, don't question our but I gotta guess. Tell you, I, saw the, I saw those clouds. When I saw that on television, I was watching the Met game, and, I, and they showed those clouds. I said, you know, I, I won't say what I said initially when I saw that. I said, ah! And I ran outside, and I saw them for myself outside my, uh, my office. I said, my, That's my goodness, it's unbelievable. Well, it's, let it's, me ask you, Rain, can I ask so a storms go through. Yeah, so as storms go through, they give you rainbows. So, so you must have had a lot of them in Florida, Lynn. Oh, well, you know, I, I really couldn't believe Ivan, our producer, had never seen a rainbow. And Ivan, up, you have to get out more. Okay, growing Ivan. up in, um, he's also he also cries a lot. <laughs> but um, as a kid, I, I remember not only seeing rainbows but seeing double rainbows often. Right. right. Usually, the most common type of the rainbow is the is the kind that gives you the the uh, twenty two degree bow, if you will. But on uh, on occasions when the atmosphere is exceptionally clear and you don't have very much in the way of haze, you'll see a secondary bow that's, uh, that extends outward to about forty six degrees. And and the other thing that's of interest uh, to rainbow lovers is the fact you can never see a rainbow in the middle of the day. You Why? need to, because the rainbow is a function of sunlight shining through raindrops. So if you've got the sun way up here in the sky, let's say at like noon or one o'clock, and it starts to rain, and the thunderstorm is now departing, and the raindrops, the last raindrops are falling. Where's the rainbow going to be? It's always opposite to the sun of the sky. So the rainbow is going to be down by your feet. So you have to get that sun. At a, at so, a, so is it early morning or twilight? It's twilight it, time. In the, in, the, in the late afternoon, or it's kind of rare to get thunderstorms in the morning, but uh, it's possible. Now, and they, what is a rainbow exactly before we go? Well, the, the raindrops act like little prisms. They, right. they, they break the light up into different colors, and uh, the, the, the arc, actually a rainbow is a complete circle, if you will, of color. But we I, I've seen, seen complete circles when I was on Maid of the Mist at, at Niagara Falls. Right, and you can create a rainbow your, yourself. If you, if you don't want to wait for a thunderstorm, just get out your garden hose and put it on a fine spray. Stand with your back to the sun, turn the spray on, and you can create a, a, a marvelous uh, oh, rainbow. Oh, that's good. So if I was like having a wedding, which I probably won't ever, Mom, <laughs> calm down. But if I was having a wedding, could I create a rainbow for it? Could you, you create could, a rainbow? You could do that so long as you have your audience or your, your guests standing in the right spot relative to the sun or relative to whatever light source. So you just oh need a fancy God, sprinkler system to do this. That's a bridezilla thing. <laughs> I want a rainbow. A big rainbow. I'm not getting married unless we end up big rainbow. And the pot of gold, Joe, can the, can the bride go to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Uh, she can go to anywhere she wants to go after she gets <laughs> yeah, married. Last question, and then I'll let Yeah, I'll we're running last, last quick question. on time here, yeah. Can we, um, can you, do they have rainbows on other planets? That's a good question. I've never even considered that. <laughs> Joe, uh, you let me down here, Joe. Uh, <laughs> See, I'm smart. I ask you questions. Well, if you don't satisfy rains, Lynn, you ain't coming back here. It so, rains. It rains sulfuric acid on Venus. That would be an interesting trick to see whether or not you know you can get sulfuric a rainbow acid rainbow. A oh. sulfuric acid rainbow. The stuff that's in your car battery. You know? Can you get on that for me, Joe? Get on I'll that. Bring it, it back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being such a wonderful guest, Joe. Thank you for inviting me. You're here. like the man, Joe. It was, it was can very we fun call being you with here. more rainbow questions and. Can we call you with more questions about all these things? You could you could call me anytime, Lynn. <laughs> anytime you He's want. He's flirting, I think. I feel it. I feel it. So, Lynn. Yes, sir. How have you been? I'm fine. We're about to end the show. Do you have any anything bugging you? 
Yeah, Remember, I'm your I private do. astrophysicist. I'm a, I'm, Joe, just so you know, and people at home, I, I they, we, they've decided to let me ask Neil one question at the end of the show every day, <laughs> so I can I can learn. I watched uh, Nurse Jackie again. Okay. And I'm obsessed. And they were talking about uh, matter and antimatter and looking for the God particle. What is the God particle? I couldn't understand that on Nurse Jackie, so I'm hoping you can explain it. A God particle is a proposed particle that we don't know if it exists yet, but we have good reasons to think it's there. And the biggest accelerators in the world that smash atom, smash particles together, we're hoping that out of the out of the train wreck of smashed particles will reveal this one particle whose properties endow other particles with mass. You mean it makes it all stick together? It gives them mass. It is, the, it is a measure of how much resistance they have to be, setting, to be set into motion. No wonder that That's was the, important and on Nurse Jackie. <laughs> so they've been calling that the God particle. It gives meaning to all particles Thank you, in Neil. the cosmos. Thank you, Neil. Yes, and we'll give you one you question NSF. a week. And yes, the, the, you are listening to Star Talk. Funded by the National Science That's Foundation. Right. And I'm joined every week by Lynn Coplitz, comedian, actress, co-host. I am Neil deGrasse Tyson, thanking Joe Rayo, who's been our wonderful guest today. Thank you, Joe. Joe, we'll have Thank to get you. you back. Thank you. You're listening to Star Talk. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.